A gripping story of murder and redemption, Yennefer has riveted and even shocked audiences since its 1904 premiere. Today, the Metropolitan Opera Guild podcast takes a closer look at Janacek's psychological drama. The Metropolitan Opera Guild is dedicated to enriching people's lives through an awareness and deeper appreciation of opera. Our podcast features lectures and events presented by the Guild in support of performances at the Metropolitan Opera. To learn more, visit metguild.org. I'm Kyle Homewood. Leos Janacek's Yenefa returns to the Met stage on October 28th for the first time in 10 years, with soprano Oksana Dika taking on the title role. Soprano Karita Matila, herself a noted Yenefa, now sings the equally challenging role of the stepmother, the Kostelnichka. Here is a Talking About Opera program on Yenefa. We're going to hear from Iveta Graf, considered in her lifetime as one of the greatest Czech opera experts. One miracle of the passage of time is the rescue from neglect of certain composers. Leos Janáček is an example of times writing a grievous wrong. Today, it can be safely said, Janáček is accorded by the public, the critics, and of course, by serious opera lovers, his deserved place in the trinity of Czechoslovakian master composers. He stands side by side with Bedřich Smetana and Antonín Dvořák. Even more important, perhaps, the world of 20th century music now gives Janáček a rightful place among his European contemporaries, Debussy, Berg, Schoenberg, and Stravinsky. Curiously, in their mature years, these composers all turn to certain systems, such as atonality, serialism, or other formulae and intellectualizations. Janáček, perhaps unfairly or enviously, called all that pitiful musical tricks. Janáček, in contrast, wrote music full of expressive emotions and feelings, joys and torments, humor and tragedy. He wrote not so much with his pen and pencil as with his heart and blood. And he did this without falling into sentimentality, theatrics, or fadism. He was true enough a nationalist composer. To the end of his life, he remained loyal to his provincial origins, Moravia, the heart of Czechoslovakia, lying between Bohemia and Slovakia. He elevated local inspiration from the superficial charm of folk art and gave it a universal human face. Towards the end of his life, in 1928, at the age of 74, he remarked, 
I have plucked a string which resounds everywhere. Yet he was largely ignored in his homeland, and abroad he was regarded as a curiosity. How long it has taken for us to see him for what he is. Now, more than half a century after his death, he's acclaimed. His operas, once considered difficult and obscure, obstinate and even unsingable, are now performed in Czech everywhere from Stockholm to Sydney, from New York to San Francisco, Seattle and Dallas. Leos Janáček was born nearly a century and a half ago in 1854 in the picturesque village of Hukvaldi. Janáček's father was a schoolteacher. He earned extra money in the village by playing the fiddle at dances and as the local schoolteacher was entitled to free beer. His only amusements were gardening, tending his fruit trees and beekeeping. His mother, daughter of a burgher's family, had little time for amusements. She cared for nine children. When Janáček was 11, as he wrote many years later, he was like a baby bird with only a few feathers. I wanted to get out of the nest and fly into the world. One of his feathers was a lovely soprano voice. Another was perfect pitch. He won a scholarship as a chorister at the Queen's Monastery in Brno. Brno is the capital of Moravia, as Prague is the capital of Bohemia, and Bratislava the capital city of Slovakia. Brno in those days was so overrun with Austrians that Czechs there were a minority. A fact that intensified Janáček's distaste for all things Germanic and crystallized his ardent patriotism. Jenufa took Janáček nine years to write from 1894 to 1903. He composed only on Saturdays or when the heat of creativity overpowered him late at night. In his recollections, he wrote, for me, composing then was a matter of stealing time. Being choir master and organist, teacher of music, director of the organ school, conductor of the Beseda Society concerts, my daughter on her deathbed, and having to live, it all made composing difficult and little of it was done. That is also why I remember those days only with difficulty. When Jenufa was rejected in Prague, Janáček wept bitterly, blaming himself for being no good. Because of theater politics, Jenufa was rejected by the National Theatre in Prague. But fortunately, at the time of Jenufa's rejection, a pupil of Janáček's was director of Brno's small opera company. He mounted the opera in 1904 at the Naveveri Theatre. The orchestra was so incomplete it lacked flutes. 
the brasses had to be borrowed from the town's military band and the strings were reinforced by amateurs. Nevertheless, at the premiere, the applause was incessant. The author of the play on which the opera is based bowed graciously from her box and Janáček himself took curtain calls after curtain calls and was carried on the shoulders of the chorus to the after-theater party. The press from Prague praised the work and Janufa was frequently performed in Brno over the next few years. In 1915, after long behind-the-scenes negotiations, Karel Kovacovic, the director of the Prague National Theatre, accepted the opera for performance with the stipulation that he, Kovacovic, be allowed to revise the score. Janáček agreed very reluctantly, as he and Kovacovic had been enemies for many years. In 1916, Janufa had its premiere in Prague. By now, it was politically correct for Bohemians and Moravians to come together. World War I had begun. The performance of a Moravian opera in the Czech capital seemed symbolic of Czech unity in the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Richard Strauss, the dominant figure in German opera, arrived in the middle of the second act at the performance on October 15, 1916, and pronounced Yenufa somewhat mannered, but suitable for a Vienna performance. Max Broad, the music and drama critic for German newspapers who lived in Prague, raved about Yenufa and set about translating it into German. In 1918, Yenufa, in its German edition, triumphed in Vienna, and Maria Yeritsa, the great Czech soprano, was recognized as not just a pretty darling of the aristocracy, but as a serious artist in a difficult role. In 1924, when Janáček was 70, the Berlin State Opera produced Yenufa and its significance in the world musical literature was established. The great Eric Kleiber was the conductor. The Czech government donated the peasant costumes. At the dress rehearsal, hot tears flowed down Janáček's cheeks as he kept murmuring, I have lived to see this? And in the same year, the Metropolitan Opera in New York gave Yenufa its American premiere again with Yeritsa. Janáček used as the libretto for Yenufa a play written in 1890 by Gabriela Prajsová titled Její pastorkyně, her stepdaughter. This is also the original title of the opera. The story is real, not fiction. It was based on two actual events that had been widely reported in Czech newspapers. One, the murder of an infant by a girl's stepmother, and the other, the disfigurement of a peasant girl by her jealous lover. Janáček adopted the harsh syntax and accents of the Slovatsko dialect. 
He used the play's words exactly as Prysova had written them. He once stated, on the stage, we need the everyday word, its melodic turn, torn from life. Real life is needed in opera. And for the first time, Janáček put into practice his theory of napievky, or speech melodies, melodic curves that approximate the contours of speech and show the emotions in a person's heart. In this way, Janáček made the words and music and feelings interchangeable. In Yenufa, Janáček wrote the emotion within or behind the words. Yenufa was the first Czech opera in prose, the first Moravian national opera in dialect, no less. As such, it was against the grain of the times. The story of Yenufa is a subject near to us even today. Without the costumes and settings so characteristic of southern Moravia, we can see the story in our own time. It is the story of a teenage pregnancy, illegitimate birth, the killing of a baby, an event unfortunately encountered not infrequently in news reports of today. It is also the story of a mother who tries in vain to talk to her daughter and save her from mistakes she herself has made earlier. The matriarch of the Buria family is the grandmother called Stashenka or old woman. She had two sons, both now deceased. The elder was the miller, a hard-working man who married a wealthy widow, the mother of a two-year-old son, Latsa. Together they had a second son, Steva, and thus the two sons are half-brothers. When their mother died, her money went to her husband, and when he died, the ownership of the mill passed to Steva, with only a pittance provided for the unfortunate Latsa. The younger son of Grandmother Buria, Tomasz, was handsome, but a playboy and a spendthrift. His first wife died at childbirth, leaving him with a baby daughter, Yenufa. He also soon remarried, this time to an old maid of 25 or so, Petronella Slomkova. She was the daughter of a former mayor of the village, and as such, she was better educated and much more knowledgeable than most of the villagers. She had loved Tomasz secretly as a young girl, but he made her life miserable, spending all their money and drinking himself to death. The young widow, left alone with her stepdaughter Yenufa, was forced to work to make a living. She became the caretaker of the village church and thus gained the name Kostelnička, which means sextoness. The action begins after Laza returns from two years of military service to find to his dismay that his lovely cousin Yenufa 
has fallen in love with his half-brother Shteva. But just as Yenufa is determined to marry Shteva, her stepmother Kosternichka is equally determined to prevent the marriage. She herself suffered deeply from her own marriage and she sees in Shteva a striking resemblance to his wild and irresponsible uncle Tomáš. What nobody knows is that Yenufa is already pregnant by Shteva. At one point early in its composition, Yenufa had an overture, which is now known as the symphonic poem Žarlivost or Jealousy. Janáček composed it in December 1894, intending that it would serve to introduce the thematic material of the opera. By the time Yenufa was first performed, however, Janáček had put it aside, preferring a more abrupt and concise opening, distinguished by the relentless tapping of the xylophone, which refers to the endless turning of the mill wheel, grinding grain for flour, the livelihood of the village. When the curtain rises, we see Yenufa, agitated. Night will soon fall and Shteva has not yet returned from the recruiting station in town where he has been summoned. Yenufa calls on Maria, the Virgin Mary. If Shteva is drafted, he cannot marry her in time. Her pregnancy will become known. Shame and damnation will follow me forever. Hanba mne doženek zatracení duše. Laza is seen outside, nervously sharpening a stick with his knife. He is angry and reviles Grandmother Buria. You treat me like a common laborer. You always remind me that I am not your flesh and blood, he cries. Váš vlastní vnuk. Laza continues bitterly. When I needed a mother, I went to you for love. 
but you liked Steva more than me. You were always touching his yellow hair, shining bright like the summer sun. Žlute jak slunečko. Laca demands his inheritance, a very small share of the mill, so he can leave the village. Yenufa gently intercedes. Such talk does not make us love you. Potom te mai Grandmother Buria adds, Yes, he thinks I am a worthless old woman. And since Sheva has inherited the mill, she adds, that Laza doesn't even treat her as if she were family. Natoš za rodinu. Little Jano, a shepherd boy, comes running in, exclaiming excitedly that Yenufa has taught him how to read. He asks her to teach him more. Grandmother remarks how happy teaching makes Yenufa. You are wise as a man, and like your stepmother Kostelnička, you are a teacher, she says. Učitelem bits pimnela. Yenufa demurs. No, I have not been wise for a very long time. My wisdom has drained away like water. Starek, the old foreman of the mill, walks by and quietly praises Yenufa's beauty to Laza. Coś, coś, coś pieknaje. She is beautiful, like a golden wildwood flower with great dove-colored eyes. Laza confides to the foreman that he has put a deadly worm into Yenufa's rosemary, hoping that as it kills the plant, her wedding to Shteva will likewise wither. Laza is happy that the army will take Shteva from Yenufa, but the foreman announces he has just heard in the village that Shteva is not to be drafted after all. They have taken only nine men. Steva is free. Yenufa overhears this announcement and rejoices. Laza furiously shouts, There is no justice. Luck is always smiling on Steva. The recruits who escaped the draft, including Steva, are drunk. They appear singing. They are all marrying to keep from soldiering. But I'll not be wed. I'd rather fight instead. The song continues. Only a rich buddy can be a home buddy, implying that Steva bought his way out of the army.
Jenufa says, Dear Steva Stevushka, you have gone and got yourself drunk again. Tis zase ušnapili. Don't say that, Jenufa, he snaps. I am Stefan Buria, owner of this entire mill. Women all try to get me. Steva throws money to the musicians. Tumate, tumate. And naughtily tells them to play Yenufa's tune, a suggestive dance song. Kostelnička enters and with an imperious wave of the hand stops the music. So this is the way you intend to spend the rest of your life with a man who drinks up his money. You will be picking up money from the floor. Peníze zbírat. Kostelnička orders Jenufa to tell Steva that I, your stepmother, withhold permission for your marriage until he stays sober for a full year. She repeats her warning. If you follow him instead of me, God will make you suffer. Grandmother Buria and the recruits all say that Kostelnička is too harsh on young people. Kostelnička tells Jenufa to leave, so village gossips will not think she's running after Steva. Grandmother Buria dismisses the musicians and sends the recruits away. She tells Steva to go to bed and sleep of his drunkenness. It was his friends, his kamarádi, who got him drunk. They deny it. She asks Jenufa to stop crying not realizing that Kostelnička's conditions for the marriage are impossible in view of Yenufa's pregnancy. Grandmother Buria and the foreman declare, everybody has to conquer their troubles. Laca and the chorus repeat the proverb, každý párek si musí svoje trápení přestát. Субтитры
Jenu find Steva are alone on stage. Never could I go on living if you do not make me your wife, she says. Nor could I go on living in disgrace. And she weeps. Steva promises to marry her. You don't think I would leave you now. How could I abandon that face with cheeks as pretty as apple blossoms? No other face is so lovely. This is a všech nejkrásnější. After Steva leaves, Laza teases Yenufa with the flower Steva has thrown away. Girls chase him like mosquitoes. She takes the flower and answers, It was given to my love, so I will wear it proudly, proudly. Laza argues that Steva only sees the surface. He only loves your face, your looks. He tries to kiss her. Why don't you like me, he cries. And as they struggle, he slushes her face with his sharp knife. Yenufa screams. Crushed, Laza sings of his love for her since childhood. <laughs> Grandmother and the foreman rush in, and he sends for Kostelnička to take care of the wound. The curtain falls as the foreman calls out after Laza, You cut her face on purpose, on purpose. Ty si to urobil naschval, naschval. Act two takes place six months later. 
Jenufa is sewing in her stepmother's house. Kostelnička has hidden her behind shuttered windows and locked doors for her confinement, telling villagers that she has gone to Vienna to visit relatives. The two women are talking without really hearing each other. When you confessed the reason for your disgrace and shame, Kostelnička says, I thought such humiliation would be the death of me, such dishonor, shame on you. I kept my silence until the baby was born. Its father doesn't care if you live or die. Kostelnička keeps on complaining. You are always fussing with that baby. You should pray to God to take it to heaven. It will be screaming soon enough. That child will be the death of everything. Kostelnička adds, and I was always so proud of you. God knows. Jenufa is still tired from the birth of the baby and wants to lie down. Kostelnička gives her a powerful sleeping potion she has brewed on the stove. Jenufa says good night and goes back to her darkened room. Kostelnička alone talks to herself. 21 weeks and Steva has not once come to see her. But tonight he is coming. That baby is so pale and weak like Steva himself. I hate to look at them both. I have prayed to God in heaven and I have fasted so that it will never see the daylight. Steva comes in reluctantly. Dear Aunt Kostelnička, you told me to come tonight or else there would be a catastrophe. What do you want from me? She tells him that the baby has been born and that she christened him Steva. And you never once even came to ask about Jenufa. I thought about her is his lame answer. But you made it clear that you didn't want to see me, and Latsa cut her face and spoiled her beauty. Kostelnička begins to plead. Go into that room and look at her. Look at your son, so gentle, so like his father. She loved you so. You have brought her such dishonor. 
only peek at him for a second. She kneels down before Steva and begs him to marry her poor Yenufa. and Kostelnička takes his hand hopefully. You weep? Ti plačeš? You weep? Then open wide your arms and greet your son. Comfort, Jenufa. Števa pulls himself away from Kostelnička. I am not going to marry her. I will pay money. She's not the same girl who once was so charming. When I saw how her face was ruined, I knew her looks were gone for good. I was no longer in love. Steva continues. I'm sorry. I'm marrying the mayor's daughter, Karolka. It's all over. And he runs from the house. Kostelnička laments. What can I do? No one will save Yenufa. Laza rushes in. He has seen Steva leaving the house. Is there news of Yenufa? Yes, she's home. And will she marry Steva? No. Then he asks Kostelnička's permission to marry Yenufa. If she will have me now, even though I did harm her. I don't want to lose her. I love her more than life itself. Kostelnička then courageously decides to tell the truth about the baby. At first, Laza disbelieves. It's not true. You are testing me, Kostelnička replies. As God is my witness, never before have I uttered so dreadful a truth. Laza hesitates. Now, Kostelnička, in a fit of panic, lies. She tells Laza that the baby is dead and she sends him away. He says he will return in a moment. Kostelnička remains alone with her dilemma. She takes the infant from Yenufa's room and wraps it in a shawl, putting a red cap on its head. Born of evil. Black as Steva's soul. 
She hurries out with the baby, locking the door behind her. Yenufa enters in a delirium. In her mind, she pictures the terrible act. Now begins the famous Salve Regina, Yenufa's prayer to the Virgin Mother. Salve Regina. Mother of Mercy, children of Eve cry unto you. We offer tears. Suffering. to us Jesus from desolation Mother, Blessed Maria. Kostelnička returns and says that Yenufa has been sleeping for two days, that her baby has died and has been buried. Yenufa sinks to the floor. Gone? My poor son, gone? Tož umřel? He was so beautiful. But I will make myself remember what you have told me. He is happier this way. The Lord will give him more than I could ever give. Kostelnička tells Yenufa that Shteva came while she was asleep, saw the child, and even when she knelt before him, he still refused to marry her. He offered to buy his way out of the trouble. And he's marrying the mayor's daughter. But you should think of Latsa. 
There is a man who really loves you. Latsa enters and asks Yenufa to give him her hand. Kostenichka speaks for her and says, yes, she will have you. Yenufa interrupts and asks Latsa, how could you marry me? I have no wealth, no reputation. All joy in life has left me. When Latsa waves her objections aside, she asks, you still want me? Yes. Then I shall go with you. Suddenly, Kostelnička curses Shteva. The wind blows the shutters open. Seized with guilt and terror, she begs Latsa to hold her. What is wrong? He asks again and again. Co je vám, tetuško? In her delirium, she cries out. It's the face of death staring straight at me. And the curtain falls. opens with a scene of village life. It is two months later, the day of Yenufa's wedding to Latsa. She's dressed somberly instead of in bridal white. Kostelnička looks feverish, pale and exhausted. The mayor and his wife arrive at Kostelnička's house. May God bless this day. Yenufa and Latsa welcome them. The mayor asks Kostelnička why she should be frightened of him. 
and notices that she does not look well. The old shepherdess who is serving wine and twigs of rosemary to the guests says, she's always frightened these days. The mayor tells Kostenichka, you always gave us the strength we did not have. You were always filled with the joy of living. Kostenichka comes to herself. I celebrate Yenufa's wedding to a worthy man. No cause to weep, but I feel my life fading. Hinu, Hinu. Sleep no longer comes to calm me. My head tortures me. Yenufa tells her that she had prayed to God and knows that Kostenichka will recover. Never, never, long life would be a horror. The mayor's wife comments on Yenufa's gloomy dress. We are simple people, but I would never dream of a wedding dress without flowers. To distract the guests, Kostelnichka invites them to look at Yenufa's trousseau in the bedroom. I made every garment myself. Nobody sees such a grand trousseau anymore, she boasts. Yenufa and Latsa remain alone and he has brought her a flower. Oh, Latsa, you deserve someone worthier than I. No, he says, I am the one who hurt you. All my life I will try to atone for what I have done. You stood by me, she says. Steva never did. Latsa replies, all evil has been cast aside. You are beside me now. Latsa informs Yanufa that he has invited Steva and Karolka to the wedding. He accepted and said he would come as my brother. They appear. Light-headed Karolka says, May the Lord bless this day and give you joy and laughter. I too will soon marry, and adds, Pity, this is such a simple wedding, not even any music. The half-brothers join hands in friendship. Yanufa praises them. Each of you has something beautiful. You, Steva, are handsome. 
You, Latsa, have a noble soul. Steva says he will be married soon. Karolka teases him that she might call off the wedding. Steva says he would kill himself. And Yenufa answers, Now, Steva, you know at last what love is. May it never bring you any suffering. When Yenufa and Latsa kneel to receive Grandmother Buria's blessing, she asks Latsa to forgive her past coldness toward him. As the couple kneel before Kostelnichka, there is commotion outside the house. Villagers come carrying the frozen body of a baby. Someone murdered it, they cry. A villager getting ice from the frozen river discovered the body. The villagers scream, dreadful, dreadful. Kostelnichka tries to keep Yanufa from going to see the baby, but she breaks loose, crying, God help me, that is my baby. The mayor comes in holding the baby's blanket and the little red cap, and Yanufa recognizes the baby's clothes. Latsa restrains her. That is my Shtevushka, she cries. Accusing her of killing her own child, the villagers demand that she be stoned to death. Latsa stops them at knife point, saying he will kill anyone who touches her. Kostelnička then comes forward and confesses. All of you know nothing. This crime is mine. Let God judge me. I have brought ruin to my stepdaughter's life. Instead of a baby, there would have been two other lives lost. Yenufa is innocent. Stone me. Karolka turns on Steva and says she will not marry him after his heartless behavior towards Yenufa and his own baby. Latsa then blames himself for the tragedy. Yenufa embraces Kostelnichka lovingly. Mother, I'll help you now. You will suffer great pain. Kostelnichka grabs a knife to stab herself, but stops. If I die, they will judge you, my Yenufa. Oh, my poor mamichka, says Yenufa. She does not deserve hatred. Let no one condemn her. God will shed his grace upon her. Kostelnichka asks, can you forgive me, Yenufa? I was wrong to think of myself instead of you. I must be punished. Yenufa cries, 
God give you comfort. As the music rises, Kostelnička, finding her strength again, proudly follows the mare to meet her punishment. The villagers all push after them. Laza and Yenufa remain alone. They have gone. You go too. You can never marry me. I am disgraced. God bless you. Remember. You were the kindest. You were good to me. You hurt me because you loved me. All is forgiven. I will go to court. Everyone will stare at me. I'll be with you. Together. Beloved, come. Take my love, God smiles on us. They embrace and leave for a new life together as the curtain falls. That was Yvette Graf talking about Janacek's Yenefa. It's on stage at the Met from October 28th through November 17th. As always, we really appreciate your thoughts and opinions on the podcast, so please post a review in iTunes or email us at info at I'm Kyle Homewood. 
Thanks for listening to the Metropolitan Opera Guild podcast.